Charlie Wilma. I'm David Todd. And welcome to the Bucks Dugout Podcast. Welcome to the Bucks Dugout Podcast. I'm Charlie Wilmoth here with David Todd. We've been away from you for probably a couple of months now in what's been a fairly quiet offseason. Um, but now we're back uh, as spring training is about to begin. David, are you ready for the season to start? Yeah, Charlie, you can't, can't come soon enough. I mean, it feels like it's been a long offseason, and part of the reason, obviously, it's been a long offseason is the Pirates haven't been particularly active. Of course, uh, DFAing Pedro Alvarez, trading Neil Walker were the two highlight moves. They then, uh, of course, tra- trade Charlie Morton. Uh, some some free agent signings. John Jaso is maybe the most mo- notable one, and some in the bullpen as well. And so here they sit, Charlie, and I think we can probably pretty much assume with a couple non-roster uh, invitations the Pirates had this week uh, with some left-handed pitchers that this is the group that's going to go to spring training. And it looks like they're going to go in with this group of, of guys. We probably have a pretty good sense of at least 23, 24 spots on the 25-man roster. We have a sense the payroll is going to come in somewhere between 95 and $100 million to start the season. So let me just over ask your overarching opinion of what you think of the Pirates' offseason. I think it's been a very strange offseason to have opinions. If I could just talk about myself for a second. You know, during, during the season, I, I do, you know, maybe two or three uh, radio interviews a week in which, you know, people, you know, ask what I think about stuff. And there's always something to say. But this offseason, I feel like there's been very little to say because so much of what this offseason has amounted to was, well, got to trust the Pirates on this one. You know, I hope they're right. You know, because on paper, a lot of this stuff doesn't really add up. I mean, they've done a lot of stuff in the past few years that hasn't, excuse me, that hasn't always added up. And it's worked out for them. And the question is, is it going to work out for them again this season? So, it's been a, a strange offseason in terms of being able to, to um, serve up hot takes. And uh, <laughs> now that I'm, I'm sitting here doing this podcast, I feel like I'm, I'm going to have like a, a sort of strange time getting back into that mode of having really intense opinions about things because it's, it's just been so hard to have those kinds of intense opinions this offseason. Uh, Charlie, the way I, I've characterized it on my show is this to me is Neil Huntington's uh, to use your word, maybe most awkward offseason and most difficult in many ways offseason. And it's largely in my mind because the Pirates have in the pipeline five guys who we expect to see make their major league debuts, or in the case of Elias Diaz, you know, he's played three major league innings, but five guys who are going to be potential contributors this year and maybe significant contributors next year. And obviously those guys are Glass now and, and Tyone in the rotation. Uh, Josh Bell at first base, Alan Hansen in the infield, and Elias Diaz. So that's five guys who I think we all, barring injury, expect to be on the 2017 opening day uh, Major League roster. And so when you're thinking about it, and Neil's looking at the rotation with the pipeline of guys that the Pirates have starters behind those two guys who can potentially contribute going forward, it's tough to fill the gaps. He had to find somebody at first base on a on a short deal because you don't really want to block Josh Bell and obviously you don't want to block Tyone and Glass now. So who wants to take the contract? What kind of contract would they offer to a starting pitcher on the free agent market? Um, I, I do think that made things much more difficult. So th- that's kind of the w- one way uh, I look at things. 
The other thing that I look at is I'm just uh, understanding the difficulty of that. I think there is some question mark, and this always comes up with the Pirates, of you know where they are payroll-wise and, and whether they spent enough money or went after the right guys. Cliff Cochran, a Sports Illustrated, a baseball writer, really panned them this week in terms of not keeping up with basically the Joneses, which is the Cubs and the Cardinals. This offseason gave them a C-. minus. I'd probably give them a little bit more leeway than that. But, you know, Charlie, for me, as I've said before, I think this, this roster at 22, 23 players is as good as any in Major League Baseball. But certainly the concerns at the back of the rotation are pretty significant. There was a lot of pitching available on the free agent market, um, and they ended up not really getting a whole lot of it, instead just getting Ryan Vogelsong on that market, uh, and then also uh, adding John Neese. And I, I think you can make a pretty credible case that, that Neese is a decent, you know, number three, number four starter type, but Vogelsong uh, in the back of the rotation, as he appears to be penciled in there now, it's quite hard to make sense of that move, especially in an offseason in which they seem to have a lot of possibilities available to them so david i, I know you have a, a a clip with the pirates explaining a little bit of their uh rationale and what they expect to happen if a potentially fairly likely event that that you know either someone gets injured or is, is very ineffective right out of the gate and what are they going to do to, to replace them and what what kind of depth do they have at this point yeah i had a chance to have ray searage on my show about 10 days ago and ray is always uh He's a great guest. He's very upbeat. He's got a lot to say. And I specifically, the question I asked him was about, you know, starters. And as you say, what happens if one of the five guys currently penned into the rotation gets injured early on? Because, of you know, the, it's unlikely the Pirates are going to start the season with Glasnow or Tyone at the major league level. And they're still, you know, you can make a solid argument. But both those guys legitimately have things to work on in AAA here to start the season. So, Here's what Ray had to say when I asked him the question. Uh, you need uh, roughly 30 to 35 starts from guys typically who aren't in your top five. And we know that the Pirates looking to 2017, 18, 19, there is a really nice pipeline of young starting pitchers who, if they develop on the track, can certainly fill those roles. There's a level of concern, though, right now to start the season that if somebody were to get injured, the Pirates don't have uh, starting pitching depth. Is it Juan Nicasio? Is it someone else? Where would that be if you were looking for your six, seventh, eight guys here to start the season? Um, you know, if you like, you said the six, seventh, eighth guys. You got you got guys with starting ability from uh, Nicasio, from uh, Lobstein, uh, from Boscon, you know, and possibly Glasnow or Tyon, you know, to to fill a to fill a void in for a week or two. Um, you know, we. Yeah, you're right. We every team needs ten to twelve starters uh, during the course of the year due to you know injuries or fatigue or stuff like that. That we've got to make sure that, that we have depth. And Neil has done a great job of giving us depth. And uh, with those guys who are like swingmen, uh, you know they're going to fit the bill perfectly. And and hopefully, if that situation does occur at some point in time later on in the season, you know Glassnow and Tyon could fit that bill too. So. Um, I think we're, you know, you, you never have enough pitching, but I, I think we're in a good spot right now, but we're always looking to better ourselves. Charlie, is, is uh, Ray being too optimistic there? I mean, is that a realistic thing, or is it okay to, to think that Juan Nicasio, um, who gets stretched out in spring training, could give you five innings if you need two starts 
in kind of uh, the role that we've seen a couple of different guys fill for the Pirates the past couple of years. Because, you know, at the start of last year, you know, it was going to be Kingham or Tyone or Casey Sadler. And it turns out, you know, the Pirates didn't have any of those guys, but they, they were able to get through. But I, I'm just concerned. And, and with Lock and Glass now, or excuse me, Lock and Vaughn, you know, penciled in to, to, to start, you know, every, every fifth day, it seems like with such a good team that they're really rolling the dice. That's how it seems. I, I have no doubt that Nicasio could provide five innings. Um, I would certainly question the potential quality of those innings. Um, I'm, I'm sure he could step in if needed. But, you know, the question is, you know, you've got ball games to win. And, uh, you know, is he, is he, in addition to just being able to take the ball, is he going to help you win those games? Uh, is Ryan Vogelsong going to help you win those games? Uh, again, though, I mean, the question, the, you know, the question you asked is something like, is Ray Searage being too optimistic? I, I mean, I don't know. Am I, who am I to say that Ray is, uh, that, that Searage is, is too optimistic or uh, that his opinion is wrong? I mean, he's, he's proven over and over again that he knows a lot more about pitching than you or I do. But I think we can both agree that the numbers don't really add up. Right. And so, you know, look, when you say Lobstein and Buscon, uh, that's got to strike some some fear in uh, Pirate fans' hearts that they'd be running those guys out there for any extended period of time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, let's just guess, Charlie. Let, let's say the, the worst-case scenario is on May 1st, Francisco Liriano goes down with something that's going to keep him out a month. Obviously, totally hypothetical. What do you think the chances are the Pirates would turn to Tyone or Glass now that early in the season? I think that they would see that they're only going to have about five weeks at that point uh, until you can just bring up those guys and not worry about their service time. And I think that they would probably think, well, we can gamble a little bit here and get through five weeks, which, you know, given the options they've made available to themselves, seems like the most sensible decision. But on the other hand, that they've set them up, set themselves up such that those will be their options if they do have that kind of problem is the issue. Yeah, so when I when I look at what they did in terms of Vogelsong, what I wonder, who, who are they competing against for Ryan Vogelsong? Uh, I'm, he's the guy kind of guy I would have thought would be a non-roster invitee to camp. You wouldn't have to put him on the 40-man. You know, you don't have to – you can do a variety of different things in terms of the contract. So that's question number one. Question number two, and I think a lot of Pirate fans asked this this week as Matt Latos signed a one-year, $3 million deal with the White Sox. And look, I, none of us have any idea what the medicals look like on Latos. Now, obviously, the, the word on the street is that he's not a good clubhouse guy, although I think the Pirates with Clint Hurdle and, and the core of the group of guys they have do have a strong clubhouse. The question is, when you're running a $96 million payroll, I mean, isn't it worth a $3 million flood? Now, look, if, they, if the medicals didn't work, they didn't work. And so, so, you know, we can't judge that. But wouldn't you like to have another guy like Latos, you bring in, and whoever doesn't make it, in terms of Latos or Vogelsong, you put them on waivers, see if they clear, or if it's Vogelsong, maybe he can be your long man. It just seems to me like they're a guy short in terms of competition for that last spot. Yeah, I, and I, I think that maybe uh, the, the, the focus on Latos in particular is, we don't want to focus on Latos in particular, I don't think. Um, like you said, there might be medical right. issues there. It's, it's, um, right. And every other team seems to have concluded. I think part of every other team's calculus in deciding not potentially to give Latos more than three million dollars uh, is is that he's not a good clubhouse guy. And if that's the Pirates part of the Pirates' reasoning there, there is you know 
a fair amount of documented evidence that they'd be right about that. Um, right. And, you know, chemistry is a complicated thing. But again, that's that's something that we kind of just have to trust the Pirates on. This is someone that was, Latos was in their division for a long time. He's someone they probably have a pretty good idea of who he is. Um, but, you know, if not Latos, then someone. You know, a potentially a, a, a trade target or, you know, another free agent and their variety of uh, potential um, reclamation projects available this winter who were a lot more interesting than Vogelsong seems to be. So, yeah, if not Latos, then yes, at least somebody, one other person to help get them through these first couple months um, before, you know, we know that they're going to feel comfortable promoting uh, Glasnow and or uh, Tyone. And even those two guys, you know, at this point are not sure bets. I mean, Glasnow is a a great prospect, but he has things to work on uh, in terms of of, uh, his command and his changeup. Tyone has missed the past two seasons. We really don't know what we're getting there. So, I mean, the the depth that another player would represent might very well end up being quite useful even beyond the point where Super 2 is no longer a consideration for Glasnow or Tyone. Is it fair to say Charlie Morton was a straight salary dump? Uh, Neil Huntington has said that they like David Whitehead, the guy that got in that trade. But, yeah, I mean, that was a salary dump. I mean, I'll, 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 make the, I'll make the bet that David Whitehead doesn't pitch 50 major league innings. I mean, they trade – to me, it looks here, – here's – look, tell me if I'm uh, insane to think this. Clearly, they've got a budget, and they're going to operate within that budget, as every team does. To me, I, I'm guessing they tried to deal Mark Melanson. They were unable to get back what they thought would be quality. So the way I look at it is trading Morton allowed them to keep Melanson. That makes sense, um, and and the the possibility of trading Melanson and then not being able to come up with what they wanted to get also uh, makes sense in terms of the way the the, the market for relievers played out. Uh, the the Red Sox gave up a ton to get Craig Kimbrell. Um, there were a few other trades involving relievers. Yeah, Astros Astros gave up a ton to get Giles. Yes, um, but you know at, at a certain point, then you had uh, a role as Chapman potentially on the market. Um, you had the, the rumors about the, the Yankees putting Andrew Miller on the market. I mean, you, you had a whole bunch of, of potentially interesting relievers. And, and, and to be clear, I mean, the, the guys that, that uh, teams seem to be looking for as they build these, like, mega bullpens they're trying to build are the big strikeout guys. Uh, and, yeah. and Melanson is not that guy. I mean, he's, he's great. Um, but he's not, you know, the big strikeout guy that, that a team like the Astros probably would have been looking for. I mean, Ken Giles fits the bill much better for them. So if they were trying to deal Melanson, get his salary off the books, get some good talent in return, maybe it's not surprising that they were not able to get what they wanted. And that certainly goes along with them uh, trading Morton in. And you're right. I mean, what appears to be a salary dump. And, and yeah, I, I would not take that bet that, that uh, Whitehead is going to pitch 50 major league innings. You would bet he does or doesn't. I would bet he doesn't. I mean, he's 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 a lottery yeah. ticket and not and not it would seem not a very good one. Again, the Pirates know more about pitching than I do. The usual caveats, but well, he does not look like much of a our, prospect yeah. to me. Right, we're giving our opinions. Nobody's nobody's neither of us are suggesting that uh, we can do Neil's job or Ray's job or anybody else's job. It's from where we sit, obviously. Right. Uh, but okay, so so let's let's look at this. Let me ask you another question that I've been talking about a bit in the off season. How likely do you think it is? That Mark Melanson this year, and I don't. What, what were the final numbers on his salary? Uh, Pirates agreed to. I mean, it was around ten, but I, I forget. Nine, seven, five, or ten. Let's just call it ten. What, what's the likelihood that Mark Melanson is going to make his career single season highest salary uh, this year? 
I, I think, I, I think for, it's I think it's likely greater than fifty percent. Yeah, I, I was going to say the same. Um, there are lots of indicators that he is not likely to be as effective this coming year uh, as he was last year. Melanson is going to be entering free agency as a somewhat older player, have his maybe what could be his one shot at you know a three-year deal or something like that, and right. you know very well end up with with less than ten million per season on a three. A, a three-year contract. Yeah, I just uh, like you pointed out, the game is d- moving so much toward the power pitchers, and the reality is nobody's been better than Melanson and Watson in the back end of a bullpen. And what they've done the past few years is extraordinary. It really is extraordinary. Um, but you know, I could end. Up, I, I could honestly see Melanson end up being somebody's setup man, uh, an eighth inning guy going forward as he you know throws 92 and gets weak contact, and and his success has been. I don't, I don't want to say it's improbable, but it's been it's been spectacular, and I just don't know. You know, we see guys not wanting to pay that for relievers. That's another reason I can't see Neil Huntington even daring to offer a qualifying offer to uh, to a guy where sixteen, seventeen million dollars when he wants to, you know, pay guys three million dollars, two million dollars, four million dollars. Um, let's talk about a couple of the guys in the bullpen. One, m- maybe my biggest disappointment in the offseason, other than another starter, was the Pirates not re-signing Antonio Bastardo. And I, I don't know exactly kind of what was going on. There was a lot of talk that Bastardo wanted a three-year deal. We know the Pirates aren't necessarily inclined to do that for relievers. But he only ends up getting a two-year deal for $12 million. That, to me, for the kind of the work that he did, uh, I'd love to have that other lefty in there. And that would, that would make a, a bullpen that looks pretty good with a couple wild cards in Nicasio and Feliz, to me, be, be excellent. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I actually thought he would probably get that third year. Uh, to be honest, I mean, there wasn't a ton of really good lefty pitching on the, the free agent market. Uh, Tony Sip got three years, um, and so you would think that that Bastardo could have gotten that. And I think that if he had gotten that, well, then you just have—if you're the Pirates, you just have to say, okay, you know, see you later. But he didn't, and. Yeah, I, I don't know that the Pirates need two lefties. Um, I, I know that they don't think that they need two lefties, and I think they're probably right about that. Um, but to have that one extra really good arm um, in the bullpen um, certainly would have gone a long way. Now, is somebody going to step into step into those innings and and perform well? I mean, it's it's quite possible. You know, it's it's quite possible that that Juan Acasio responds well uh, to to Ray Searich's teaching and and becomes that guy. I mean, they they certainly could have someone like that, or you know. Someone like John Holdscomb or, or Trey Haley could step in at some point in the season and be much better than anticipated. But it would have been nice to have that one extra guy who has that experience and is coming off a really good year, especially since he's left-handed. I, I, I liked uh, acquiring Nicasio. The deal looks totally reasonable. Um, I will tell you, I was pretty shocked, Charlie, at how much Naftali Feliz got paid. <laughs> Me too, yeah. I mean, there, there just isn't much of a recent track record um, that suggests he's going to do well. Or, 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 or any track record. Well, you have to go back to what? I mean, I don't have his numbers right. in front of me, but 2011, 2012, like before yeah. these I mean, injuries? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no track record for the past three years. There's nothing. Yeah. So, I, I, I mean, I, too, was surprised that he ends up getting, what, what was it, $3.9 million with with so little to go on. But I, I guess the Pirates must believe the the, the upside is there. Uh, so who who gets the last spot in the bullpen in in terms of if we if we pencil in you know the two guys in the back Hughes and Caminero that's four uh, Nicasio and Feliz is six 
So who gets the other spot? Yeah, I was looking through that uh, through the, the roster earlier today, and I and I really don't know. I mean, a lot of times that spot goes to someone who's out of options, but I don't I don't see any you know obvious. Uh, Rob Scahill is uh, y- you know I, I'm just you know, they they you you mentioned a couple before, but Haley Scahill. One of those guys, I guess. Well, I, I mean, mean I, Healy, Healy is a guy who, who didn't pitch all that well at AAA last year, um, walked a bunch of guys. So I, I would think that he, the Pirates, and he has options, so the Pirates would want him to start the year in the minors, I would think. Um, I, I think Scahill probably has the inside track on that on that last job, even though he does have an option left, um, just because he's you know on the roster already and has some big league experience. Lobstein, do you see him as a reliever, uh, a swing guy, a starter? Do you want to start him in Indy to be a starter? Uh, well, that seems like the, how the how the Pirates see it, and uh, it, you know it sort of makes sense to me to, to treat him as as starting depth. I don't know; it doesn't seem obvious to me that there's a ton of upside as a reliever. Um, that's the kind of thing I could easily be wrong about, but that's that's the way it looks. So it makes sense to to have him in the Indianapolis rotation and and uh, potentially use him as a starter if if something goes wrong. Okay, so you know that's so there's your there's your staff. When you look at the roster now, I, I keep saying I think Jung Ho Gong should be ready to start the season based on the video I've seen of him moving around at various points and what we saw him do in the mini camp in January. So, I, you know, I don't know if that's right or wrong. And there'll be a, an, an extra middle infielder uh, involved if he is not ready to start the season. But if we use the assumption he's going to start the season, because eventually that's going to be how the roster's constructed, Charlie. We know it's Morrison, Jason at first, Harrison at second, Mercer at short. We know the three starting outfielders. We know who the two catchers are. Uh, what's going to comprise the rest of the bench? Who do you think wins those roles, and how do they how do they play out? I mean, Sean Rodriguez is obviously going to be one. All right, so we've got the two catchers. Catchers. That's two guys. We've got four starting infielders, including uh, Gong at six, and then uh, three starting outfielders is nine, um, and then also. Uh, Morse. Morse, Morse and Rodriguez gets you to 11. Yeah, Morse and Rodriguez, and that, that makes 11, um, which gives us two bench spots to work with. I think we've seen that, that one of those guys is probably going to be a utility infielder, someone like uh, Pedro Flormon, who can back up credibly at shortstop. Uh, and then the other one, probably a fourth outfielder type. Um, and maybe... I think, I think yeah, yeah, Gobert or Rogers, I think, would be the obvious candidate, but I don't know what... You know, I don't, I don't know how realistically, how well either of those guys can play the outfield. I mean, I think you're looking at, you're still probably looking at some level of Harrison and Rodriguez occasionally involved in the outfield. Yeah, I mean, Gobert's more of an outfielder than Rodgers is, and so that maybe gives him an edge. Plus, uh, the, the the fact that Gobert is a, a left-handed hitter, um, yep, might might help him. Um, Rodgers has, and I know he has at least one option remaining. So he seems like a guy who could maybe start the year in Indianapolis. Then again, the flip side of that is that the Pirates uh, did, you know, Rodgers did spend a fair amount of time in the big leagues last year. The Pirates did give up real talent to get him, which suggests that they might like him more than they like Gobert. So, you know, who knows? Maybe it's, it's, it seems like one of those two guys, though. Were you at all surprised that they moved Keon Broxton for Rodgers? I mean, uh, I thought Broxton was a, a bit of an obvious fourth outfielder candidate for the Pirates in this offseason. Yeah, I, I find myself I found myself kind of rooting for him maybe more than I should have, just because it seemed like he would have been a really fun player. Like he he would have been a, you know a lot of fun to watch to just have somebody with that kind of specialized skill set coming off the bench, somebody you you stick in there when you are are uh, down by one and you got a man on second and in. in 
uh, the eighth inning or, or whatever, and you just need wheels. And, you know, given his defensive ability, it you're right. It seemed like he would have been a good, cheap fourth outfielder um, for many years. On the flip side of that, though, I mean, I, I like the idea of, of adding someone with uh, Rogers' power potential. Yeah, I do too. And and the fact, look, when they made the deal, I don't know if they knew exactly what Gong's prognosis was, but realistically, he can play some third base. I mean, if you're gonna, you know, obviously you don't want to have him playing every day, but if he had to play, you know, eight or ten games uh, early in the season, I think you could get by with that. Yeah, um, and you're you're probably right. I mean, the the uncertainty surrounding Gong probably encouraged them to add someone who could play a little bit. Uh, on the left side of the infield if, if uh, needed. So the deal, I think, made some sense. I, I do think there's a possibility that the, the Brewers are getting, uh, you know, six years of a fairly decent outfielder for not a very high price, though. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. You know, Charlie, again, going back to what I said at the beginning about this being Neil's toughest offseason, it looks like the Pirates are going to have a pipeline of young starting pitchers who potentially can be impactful over the next couple of years. You have Glasnow and Tyone. Uh, you still have Kingham is only 24. I think people forget about that. I mean, we'll just throw the Jesse Biddle complete lottery ticket 2017 mm-hmm. into the mix at some at some point in time. Trevor Williams, uh, Chad Cool, who really stepped forward last year, uh, Stephen Brault. The, you know, the guys they, they got in Tarpley and Brault, the guys, Tarpley a little further away, but the guys they got in the Snyder trade. Do, do Does it look like the Pirates have as much starting pitching depth as you've seen maybe, you know, as long as we've been we've been doing this and you've been doing the blog? De- depth in the sense of ready for the big leagues right now, no. Um, right, of course. Right, but depth in the sense of, of uh, you know, guys who could potentially help in, in two years. Yeah, there are a lot of those guys. I think that the one guy who who obviously you know sticks out as being very likely to contribute though is, is class now the the other guys are, are really question marks all to to one degree or another and i don't know i mean i, I hear so much of, of people uh, talking about class now and tyone in the same breath and in my opinion I mean, they should not be in the same breath at this point i mean keith law for example and his, his list that just came out this week rates class now as the sixth best prospect in baseball doesn't rank Tyone anywhere in the top 100, and that baseball America left him. Baseball America left him out as well. And I look, he hadn't pitched in two years, as you said. The yeah. other, the other sites, uh, Baseball Prospectus and uh, MLB.com, both put him around 50. I mean, it, look, it's it's a wild card, right? I mean, and it, that Charlie, that circles me back to a question we talked about earlier. Because he's already 24, because he's missed some time. Um, if you needed somebody early in the season. Are you less worried about Tyone's not only Super Two clock, but but his six years? Um, saying, look, we got to get what we can out of this guy, and if he shows in in April that he makes three or four good early season starts, that maybe you say, you know what, let's go. Well, I, I mean, I think I would be a little bit more carefree with those kinds of decisions than the than I think the Pirates will be. On the other hand, right? Uh, what what like really? What is the likelihood that that Tyon's going to be completely ready to go at the beginning of the season? Going to be completely 100% game ready and go to Indianapolis and have like four or five shutdown starts? I mean, that doesn't seem like a. If it happens, that's one like that's one thing, and it seems like a debate we can have later. But on the other hand, that doesn't seem very likely to happen given his track record. As as, as Law pointed out in his chat, I mean the the you know the track record of guys who missed two years. Uh, due to injury, whatever their upside at one point might have been, is that they aren't all that likely uh, to become reliable starters in the big leagues. And 
to expect Kyle to be totally reliable like, out point. of the gate totally. seems like a lot. Yeah, and I don't think anybody's counting on it. Totally fair point. The, the other point is, you know, he did get work in last year where he was the, to the point of going to the mound, and then he had a non-arm injury. And listening to him uh, and speaking to him myself, uh, I do know that kind of in October, you know, he felt like his arm and his body felt as strong as it's ever felt. Like he felt like he was, you know, if he had had another arm injury or I guess something different, I would be, I, you know, I'd, I'd subscribe to that theory a little bit more strongly. I think it's a totally legitimate point to make. And if I were putting together a top 100 list, I don't think I could put him on the list having not seen him pitch in two years. But the fact that he got close, the fact that he really refined his mechanics, had the time to do that with Jim Benedict um, all through April, May, and the beginning of June last year, I think is significant in terms of where he could be uh, come, you know, the day spring training starts. And it'll be interesting to see kind of what work he gets uh, in spring training this year. You know, if he gets four or five uh, occasions to throw five innings toward the end of spring training um, to see how that works. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll see. I, 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 and, I, and I take your point that, that uh, there were some things going on last year uh, that were good as it relates to you know his potential short-term future with the Pirates, so uh, we'll see. It, it seems though that that uh, just from like reading the, just the comments of Buck's dugout seem to suggest that people think that that he can be counted on this year. I mean, maybe he'll contribute this year, but I guess I'm just saying I, I wouldn't count on that. Um, okay, so the the, uh, this, the structure of the roster pretty much said. Is there anybody is there anybody going into into camp who is a you know, and we've seen this the past couple of years. Is there a wild card shot to make the roster? I mean, I guess John Holtzcomb would be a guy who potentially has that but that opportunity. Willie Garcia, is, is there anybody else that, you know, crosses your mind and, and you say, we should maybe watch this guy? Overall, the picture is like we've said, there's not going to be a ton of drama in terms of, of roster spots that will be available in spring training. Um, I guess you know. I think you're, you're right that, that Holdscum is a is a wild card. I I, I wrote in my uh, preview of, of uh, Pirates relievers who will be heading into spring training that it wouldn't surprise me if he were one of the better pitchers in the Pirates bullpen this year. It also wouldn't surprise me if he'd never pitched in the major leagues again. I mean the the um, the, the beta the, the beta is high. Yeah, it's it's, it's enormous. So you know, that's one possibility. Um, the two lefties they just added are. Uh, uh, Lupkin and O'Flaherty are, are worth watching, and the the one guy on the position player side who maybe people might sleep on uh, is Cole Figueroa at, at Pyre. I've mentioned this a couple times on the site, but at Pyrefest, uh, Neil Huntington was answering a question about some totally different topic, and then just kind of out of nowhere started uh, started raving about Figueroa um, as someone whose approach at the plate he really liked. Um, so maybe there's a possibility that that Figueroa kind of comes out of nowhere to make the roster. There are a whole bunch of relievers who are potentially uh, interesting. Curtis Parch is one of them. Robert Zarate is another one. Um, so those are guys to keep an eye on, especially since we're not totally certain who's going to get that last spot in the bullpen. So uh, although there aren't, uh, there aren't going to be many roster spots for these guys, I think there are some, some interesting names. Is there any chance Gifted and Yope uh, supplants Pedro Florman? I wouldn't mind if it happened. Uh, but I kind of doubt it just because uh, in the utility infielder role, that's that's a role for which the Pirates are going to prefer somebody with major league experience. Um, yeah. They have a long track record of, of taking bench players north. You know, guys like John McDonald or Brandon Inge, 
who are major league <laughs> veterans rather than players who are younger and might be a, a little bit more interesting. I mean, and maybe maybe the, the Pirates sending Keon Broxton out of town might be a symptom of that as well, like not wanting to use younger, less experienced players in those kinds of bench rules. Uh, all right. Well, that's pretty pretty good summary of where the Pirates are. Um, I know you've written about this on the site. I've talked about it. Keith Law ranked the organization as the eighth best, which sounds good. Unfortunately, the Dodgers and the Cubs were both in the top four. The Brewers. Uh, when, Brewers with, in the top five, too, right? Right. right. And with the money the Dodgers and the Cubs have and the, the Brewers, uh, it's something to take note of. Um, all the top 100 prospect lists are out. Um, I'll be talking to a bunch of those guys on my show this week. I'm going to have some of the StatCast guys and some of the guys uh, from Baseball Prospectus who do some of the behind-the-scenes work. If people are interested in that, I'm on ESPN in Pittsburgh, weekdays 4 to 7. Um, Charlie, you know, we should probably come back in, uh, in in three weeks or so when camp is open and, and kind of make some early season projections. Uh, you know, we, we just did this whole po- podcast and we didn't mention the name McCutcheon, Marte, or Polanco one time. So uh, we got some stuff to get to. And I want to talk about the batting order and some other things because my thing is I want John Jaso batting leadoff with his 380 OBP. I know that's probably not going to be a hugely popular viewpoint with a ton of people, but that's my that's my early thought on some other things we can get to. Yeah, that sounds like fun. And it's it's nice to have this many, you know, it, it, as much as the Pirates offseason has been filled with uncertainty about how certain roster spots are going to be filled, they do have a, a lot of spots where you can just take things for granted. And it's really nice to have that excellent outfield of McCutcheon, Marte, Polanco that you just don't have to really worry about with the possible exception somewhat of Polanco. It's really nice to have uh, Garrett Cole and Francisco Liriano in the rotation, not have to worry about it. So, I mean, it's, it's a reminder, really, that the Pirates, in spite of an offseason that has been a bit confusing, have a ton of talent there. Yeah, and by the way, 2017 and 18 looked fantastic, all that. Let me, let me ask you one closing question that we didn't really get to. Let's say Gong isn't able to start the season. Um, does Alan Hansen get some burn? I mean, he's a guy who got dropped from every top 100 list. Um, he didn't have a wonderful year last year at AAA. Um, or is Sean Rodriguez going to start at second and, you know, maybe Figueroa comes north with Harrison starting at third? But what do you think is the more likely scenario if that, if that plays out? I think that the, the Pirates, the, the Pirates' track record is to wait until June with these prospects. I, again, if it were me, I would not. But that's the Pirates' track record, and so I think that they would probably, you know, rather go to a veteran there. And you know, honestly, if you're going to have Sean Rodriguez on the roster, uh, and you've got a, a bunch of of open time at second base, that doesn't seem like the worst use of that that roster spot it's better to give him time at second base than to have him playing first base or the corner outfield like like he was last year all right charlie man great stuff thanks uh and um yeah so uh listen to david's show on espn in pittsburgh you can follow him on twitter at dt on pirates follow me on twitter at buck's dugout and thank you for listening to the buck's dugout podcast <laughs>